Hi, everyone. Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. As always, thank you for subscribing to all your podcasting platforms. We've charted globally recently, and I'm very excited about that. So thank you. If you want to subscribe to hear about some offerings that will be happening and merch that will be dropping soon, please subscribe at latinasb2b.com and sign up for our newsletter. Today, my very special guest is Zach Moreno. He is a Latino startup founder, and he is a co-founder and CEO of Squadcast FM. If you don't know this platform, it is a podcasting platform that people are using, especially now in the time of COVID, as well as big business. He started as an intern in Google, and he is a co-host of a podcast called Between Two Mics, and he is also the host of Remove Before Flight. Welcome, Zach, to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. I'm so happy to have you here because we've been chatting throughout the podcasting journey, yours and mine, for over a year now. And it's been quite a change since we last met when we were having lunches at Drake's and talking about, you know, the platform and podcast guests and all kinds of things. And now here we are in the COVID era, but the opportunity is huge. So Zach, thank you for being a part of the show today. What I want to talk about is really how you got started in this business. I know that you were part of Google and you were on Google's engineering team a while back and you're a Latino in the space. You're a Latino co-founder of your Squadcast uh, podcasting platform. So what I'd like to do is from our conversations is just share how you pivoted from the Google space of engineering, because a lot of us are still wanting to get into the tech arena. Right. But I think uh, you put some thoughts down, maybe on a napkin. And here we are today. (laughs) Well, Teresa, really, it's my pleasure. I appreciate you having me on. And yeah, I've always enjoyed our conversation. So it's, it's great to come full circle and finally record together. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, and thank you for that warm welcome, I did an internship on the Google Chrome team while I was finishing up college and had a full-time job working as a software engineer uh, at the last year of my my senior year of my degree. And then just on a whim, kind of applied for this internship that actually a handful of my professors helped me with, pulled together like a proposal at the last minute to do some open source work within uh, within the Google Chrome team. And that was something that, yeah, I always am grateful that I I took that step forward because I was, to be frank, way in over my head, but it paid Mm -hmm. off. And uh, three months (laughs) later, three months later, and a lot of uh, a lot of really hard work and dedication had a had a successful outcome with that internship. And really that that exposed me to a lot of really great technology uh, within Google and just that approach, their approach to engineering. Mm-hmm. As well as was a great opportunity to help thousands and thousands of podcasters record lots of hours with their guests anywhere in the world. And a lot of those lessons learned about being in situations where, you know, we're taking pretty big leaps of faith and having the skills to really rise to that occasion. And, you know, you're kind of staring off into the into the fog sometimes, unsure about the experiment that you're currently running that might make or break your business. 
Totally. So I'm really grateful that those kind of chances, those bets have paid off and great team. That's uh, it's a huge part of that effort as well. So without the the team and, you know, people that we trust, mentors like yourself uh, helping us along this journey. Oh, um, thanks. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's super great to be able to work with, you know, world-class crew. So in that aspect, when you got the internship and you were finishing college, just for the people out there that are in STEM programs right now, especially a lot of Latinas that are trying to break into the industry, as well as young Latinos, we are out there, as I keep saying, and there is no pipeline shortage. And we talk about mentorships, which they desperately need to find, but it's hard to get that. So did you have a mentorship to get in? Did you network to get that opportunity? You know, that's how I want to talk about it before we get into how you made this platform, which is totally amazing. Yeah, thank you. I was the first person on my mom's side of the family, which is fully Latino background. She was second generation, I'm third generation. And um, mm-hmm. I was the first generation in my family to get a bachelor's degree, go to go to college and, and oh, get, wow. a, get a property nice. degree. And just a lot of support and encouragement throughout my education. You know, my grandfather, my parents, huge support system that really pushed me and made me think like anything I kind of wanted to do, I could do. And that started even prior to college. Like I had a amateur art career when I was in high school and had a lot of success within that space of nice being creative every day. And my family, same deal, supported me through that tremendously. So, and always just being uh, surrounded by like my, my grandfather's a perfectionist. He's a woodworker. He, mm-hmm. he uh, was a saw filer for his career and really just worked wow. with my hands. And, and then my, mm-hmm. my other grandfather who passed away before I was born was essentially a graphic designer at the Sacramento Bee. He was a typesetter and really worked with uh, the physical, when, when those things were actually physically printed yeah. before, uh, you know, analog before digital. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, looking, looking at that, you know, my roots within craftsmanship really just in my family translated into being able to do that, but with within the current digital space, and mm-hmm. I like to, you know, think about his their their work ethic and my grandmother's work ethic, and and really try to apply that within the technology that are just m- the modern tools of the day. You know, if they right. if they had the tools that we have now, they would have been doing something similar. So right. that's really where I pursued my degree is like half computer science, half graphic design. And, oh, nice. and I went to school in Sacramento and felt like dropping it, felt like going and just doing my art career or whatever a few different times. But I'm glad that I stuck with it because I, I had never written any software or worked with any code before going in that oh. program. And, you know, it was a my whole education was fairly monochromatic, we'll say. You know, <laughs> I, I went to school in uh, in neighborhoods that weren't the ones that I was living in or grew up in. Uh-huh. Um, so my parents really made a lot of sacrifices to put me through a private Catholic education. And that's, I think it played a part, but I didn't gain any access to like CS programs at an early age because of that. Mm. It just wasn't a thing, even in those environments. It is now. And I'm really glad to, you know, hear that my, my alma mater is taking those steps forward. But I really gained access through through that degree program and really just fell in love with that and found a way to translate my habit of painting every day and translate that into writing code every day and working with wow. working with graphic design. And then just project after project, just kept sharpening those skills. And uh, my degree was primarily focused on front-end engineering, but I taught myself simultaneously back-end engineering. And a lot of the magic behind Squadcast is within that you know, back-end cloud environment. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm really proud of you know how I've been able to grow and 
you're absolutely right about you know STEM and support systems. I had the opportunity to teach full stack web development at Cal Berkeley. And, oh, uh, nice. and really worked with a very diverse group of people coming out of different career choices, different backgrounds, different ethnic backgrounds, different ages, mm-hmm. because, uh, because you know, there were some people coming straight out of their CS program at Cal Berkeley. There were other people coming from just a career change. And that really took a lot of my skills to the next level and was, was kind of the overlapped with the start of Squadcast. So that was a great experience to really see the final stages of STEM that really was the mm-hmm. bridge into uh, a full-time career. And, you know, I, I actually helped a few of my students interview and get jobs at, at Google and at Facebook nice. and a few different really great environments. So I was really proud of that, that work. Oh, that's good. I think what's really interesting about your conversation here is that that's the foundation really of a lot of technology. It's there, but that is the key now to a lot of technology design. And actually Google did pave that, I wanna say first, with design of being minimalist, but also making it user-friendly, which is huge now if you're in UX design. And it's all around not having a million buttons, which is old school engineering, if I can just put it in simple terms like that. But Google is really, they were in the forefront of that. Then Facebook came along. Designers didn't used to have a seat at that table, but uh, I think that's that's changed. Now there's companies and I'm proud that we're one of them have a chief design officer and design is much Mm -hmm. more front and center to the work that we do. Right. It's very important. So if you think out there, oh, I'm just an artist or I'm this or that, you can really be a part of technology. And they're really looking for that type of attribute for people to come in and help them do design work. And I think it is more important now for people of color to be on those design teams, especially because we need more diversity in these products and services. And they keep saying, if you have women and men of color on your product teams, even in your C-suite of how you're going to run your business, the profits are going to go up. Exponentially. And I don't know why people aren't doing that. Well, we know why, but (laughs) here we are. The data is clear, though, to your point, especially as we approach AI. Like that, Mm -hmm. that's even another level of potential. Oh, dude, I don't want to get into AI. Yeah. That's whole matrix level stuff. I'm glad that information, (laughs) like, I love the term netiquette. I'm glad that that information is accessible in a format for non technical people to really understand. The choices that they're making and the, yes. val- the value of their data. I think that's a mm-hmm. huge one that basically the CEOs of all these major tech companies have said multiple times, like data is the new oil. And it is. Know, and I believe that. And that's really where people are, I would say, undervaluing their contribution mm-hmm. to these platforms and the content mm-hmm. that they're creating, that being their data is is very valuable. And that's one of the things I love about podcasting is you retain the ownership of that content that you're creating. And that's true in Squadcast terms of service. Like it, yep. it's your data, you own it is I believe what it says word for word. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly, I think, what needs to shift here with the data vacuums that uh, people are using for free on the web, really monetizing that data without the full awareness. So the yeah. documentary on Netflix makes that much more accessible to people. So I think right. it should open a lot of eyes. It is an important factor to understand that these technology platforms are things that do keep your data. But you, on the other hand, created this knowing this, having this platform 
you said, Chale, I'm not going there. I'm going to build my own platform for people to utilize. And I think it's so amazing that knowing all this information, you coming in and building this platform and knowing about the data and the way you designed it, which we're using right now, everybody, Squadcast as the podcasting platform. And there's going to be information in the show notes and we're going to have some offerings for you after this podcast. But what we want to tell you is that you do own the data. You can download your recordings. You can share them. They're stored for you. It is an easy platform and you can see the person that you're talking to so that you have more engagement with that person in your conversations, which is awesome. So doing that, you thought this all out. How did you come up with all this stuff where it's growing now exponentially, which is awesome for you. So let's talk about that growth and let's talk about these features that you said, okay, I think this is what people need and I'm going to go build it. So really it came out of not wanting to do a startup, not wanting to write more code. It was actually quite the opposite. I I mentioned my roots in painting and the visual arts, and I, I wanted to get outside of the comfort zones that I had built up as far as like the different mediums that I was, uh, kind of expressing my creativity. So I wanted to kind of go back to something that wasn't technical and do something creative that was in a new format, in a new medium. Um, And I'd always loved podcasting from being a listener. I love learning and it's a very quick way to go deep on a very specific topic very quickly. So I loved it for that. And my my co-founder, Rock, actually introduced me to podcasting as, as a listener. And years later, decided I had been writing too much code, too much engineering, and I wanted to do, <laughs> to do a creative side project with something new. And that's mm-hmm. really where I, I think I read this article in Wired that was like, there's this new thing in podcasting called audio dramas where it's totally fictional. So you have these science fiction storylines that are published like a podcast in uh, Mm -hmm. episodes and really go into this form of storytelling that isn't a typical interview like you and I are having now. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that just kind of blew my mind all at once and was like, wow, my brother is a audio engineer and sound designer. My best friend is a very talented and decorated playwright. I had written some work in a technology book and had a practice of writing, Mm -hmm. but never published anything other than other than that title. And then I was a web developer. So it was like, okay, that should be the raw material that you could put together. Those skills should equal a podcast. Like if we want to- Like baking a cake? Yeah, that's how we (laughs) thought about it was just like, we have these skills. Yes, none of us have done a podcast before, but podcasting has only been around for like a decade at that point. So it's still being worked out. So we we have some leeway. It's not like this rigid thing where we have to meet this- standard or something. So mm-hmm. just kind of arrogantly, I guess we we assumed that we had the <laughs> skills to do this. And uh, <laughs> hey, let me tell you, I'm going to tell the Latinas out there, see, that's what it takes. You don't need cajones. You have it already. It's that, you know, chingona fire that you have inside and just do it. We just wanted because, to try. Yeah. See if we could right. do it. <laughs> you know, if you do that, who knows what will come out of these things? If you just get together and especially the technology Latinas. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like, I know it's hard and I know you're scared, but you were just like, yeah, let's just do it. Just put it to the paper and just see what happens. Right. Absolutely. No, you're totally right. And yeah, it's a weird thing to be like, I could do this. (laughs) Uh, Agreeable. I want to say the reasons why, but again, I might offend (laughs) people. (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, well, we thought we had, you know, we had some skills that we could put together and create a science fiction audio drama was the original plan. And that way we can work on that together. And we started down that journey and really just tried to see, okay, what's possible here and what can we put together? And we ran into this challenge, this uh, roadblock of we needed to record remotely because we weren't in the same location. Mm -hmm. So if we were to go into a physical studio and record, we would be able to produce like two or three episodes a year or something like Mm -hmm. that. It was Mm -hmm. uh, pretty ridiculous. So we just kept assuming that podcasting had been around for a minute and that we could rely on the tools in the ecosystem that already existed and this had to be a solved problem we just kept assuming like okay there's there's an option out there that'll get us quality audio recordings without needing to be in the same room Uh, Mm -hmm. how do the pros do it like how do these og podcasters do it so that's what we did (laughs) we just kept Uh uh kept assuming listening talking to them and turns out that nobody was really satisfied with skype or you know, any of the other ways that people had kind of duct taped together. Mm -hmm. They all did it that way, but they weren't happy with it. It was kind of paper thin. It was just like acceptable. But when we talked to them and asked, like they all wanted something better. And that was built specifically for podcasting and Mm -hmm. podcast listening happens over the web, but podcast creation, the actual recording of it did not happen Mm -hmm. over the web. So that felt weird to us. Like when we kind of took mm-hmm. a step back and was like any platform that is like really going to take off, you kind of need creation and consumption to be mm-hmm. uh, native to the platform. And if creation happens off platform, then you always are going to kind of have this weird disconnect. Think about Twitter, right? They really do a great job of blurring the line here to come back to UX where writing a tweet and reading a tweet are kind of almost the same thing. Like it's mm-hmm. really, but you have creation on one hand and you have consumption on the other. So we felt like podcasting needed creation. It needed its own creation tools. Mm-hmm. And the consumption and the distribution was a pretty well-oiled machine, still ripe for innovation, but mm-hmm. uh, creativity we wanted to bring to the web platform and connect people anywhere in the world to record quality audio. So that way listeners would be happy and having a great experience, but also creatives could find a guest, connect with them, set up a time to record, and then connect and, and, and create that together without having to sacrifice audio quality was the kind of key constraint there. And that's really what we did. We saw that opportunity and we ran into that challenge because of the podcast. And then we decided after a bit of discouragement, about a week or two of doing research and coming up empty handed, we just decided like, maybe we could build something or we, we thought maybe we could build something with modern technology, the cloud and, you know, modern web browsers and access to microphones at a, mm-hmm. at a really good price. And everybody has headphones now because of s- smartphones. And there's probably something new that we could build that would solve this, what turned out to be a fairly old problem because radio stations even terrestrial radio stations face this problem. And Mm -hmm. they have their own solution that they call kind of a double ender style recording. That's really what we studied and became students of how people had done this over time and what could we take from the technology that we have available and kind of bring the future together to solve an old problem. And that's really what Squadcast turned into after four years of listening to the podcast community and just getting out of the way and building what they need on top of that platform that uh, is the the conversation and being able to record it in uh, in studio quality audio. Yeah, that's in business terms, folks. That's research the market. 
you do your what's the total available market when you're going to do that right and then you're going to do your SWOT analysis to see where the opportunity lies within all that information because you do have to do some research and that's one of the things i always like to hit upon because you will hit a roadblock and you'll find the opportunity i was even thinking i was like how did i meet zach and i think i was looking for a podcasting recording platform and then that's how we connected i don't know i'm trying it's been so long and so yeah, much has happened I'm having trouble remembering too yeah i know but we've had like lunches and we've chatted about so many things i, I don't know it just got lost in the blur but i want to tell you about the goldilocks theory in products right or yeah. just finding the assessment which is part of this reason why we're doing this podcast and i want to tell everybody that this, especially in the era of COVID, this is going to be the platform you really do want to use. You don't have to go all in buying microphones, expensive microphones. I went to the studio first because A, it was easy. I didn't want all the equipment in my house. Also, I have animals. I have chickens and a dog. And you know, having all that go off in the background, it might sound fun, but <laughs> I didn't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Good call. You know, my sound engineer was like, oh, that would be so fun if the chickens just went crazy. And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't I don't want that. And it seemed cost effective. The ambiance. At the the ambiance. Yeah, I'm on a farm, everybody here in <laughs> Oakland or, you know, Oakland has got it going on chickens. So the main points I want to hit on here is that I've gone to the studio where that's the high end. And the other day I had to do a podcast through my earbuds and through this platform. And the number one thing that I focus on tremendously is sound quality. Because the number one thing that people talk about that is the most frustrating and they will turn your podcast off is the sound quality. That and the editing of your podcast. Because they don't want to listen to the chickens and the dogs in the background. <laughs> they don't want to hear the, you know. Yeah. They don't want to hear the minutia in the background. They want to hear you. They want to hear how you create the story, how you put the ambiance together. And this platform through the web allows you to do it globally with guests. If you want to interview somebody globally, if you want to do it remotely in the time of COVID, which a lot of people are going to start doing. And I bought a mic. I invested in this really nice mic and just plugged it in to my laptop here. I can see you and the sound quality is amazing. I've gone high, I've done the low. This is the perfect spot with Squadcast by having a microphone, your earphones and just recording. Yeah. But this is your online on-demand studio which i was blown away and i think that's how we started talking because i said zach this is totally amazing how did you do this and i want to know more <laughs> <laughs> yeah well there you is must tell me the secrets now <laughs> <laughs> there is more that was kind of how we found this opportunity and then started to think about it as a product but that's a, a product is not a business on its own you got to kind mm. of think through that and we chose very early on to really approach it as a proper business, which this sounds strange to say. And I, and I have a lot of friends in startup land and we are technically like literally in startup land right now, but we chose to not pursue venture capital. We chose to fund our startup ourselves. 
Therefore, we needed to have a proper business model or at least mm -hmm. fuzzy idea of what could turn into a business model from this technology. And that's really where I started to grow the team and brought on Rock, my co-founder and good friend from high school and way back, introduced me to podcasting as a listener. And then, you know, fast forward, and now we get to co-found this company together that is all in service of creating this product that the podcast community needed and still does need for really amplifying that collaboration and, mm -hmm. and being able to scale globally and record in the same way that we, we listen over the web. And that's really where we've built something beautiful together, where I focus on the product and the engineering and Rock focuses on the, the business, business side and finance mm -hmm. uh, is his primarily his background. And I've committed to growing in every way possible to learn those skills. And he has right. grown tremendously to to work within product and, and my skills. So we have a very symbiotic relationship and would not be here without him. So we we just chose a lot of startups choose to kind of hit pause on their business model until they have, you know, product market fit and all of those things that uh, venture capitalists help them accelerate towards. So definitely not knocking that approach. We just chose a different path forward and it required us to have a business model on day one. And I'm super grateful for for Rock for, uh, you know, helping get that started, but then also continue to evolve it in a way where we can actually have, have a healthy, sustainable business today. Right. And you need that. And also don't forget the legalese that you need from day one when Absolutely. you're doing these things. That's one thing people don't understand. And I did another episode, uh, so podcast episode. you know, when you're growing something this major, and it's amazing, right? And you're bringing more people into the fold. Yes, you do need a lot of attorneys. You have IP attorneys. You have your contracts with vendors, your business. I mean, it's a lot. I, I know this for not because I have them, but, you know, when I worked for tech and you're doing partnerships and all the go-to-market stuff, it's like, why? Why do I need this? Because you want to cover your ass. That's why. If I and can uh, tell a story <laughs> about that. my uh, Oh, I'd love to hear it. Actually, our, you mentioned IP attorneys and the attorneys are really the, in the startup world, they're really the ones who always win. <laughs> There's always some legal fees. But you want and, them to win for oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> we, we are well aligned as uh, my venture capitalist friends would say. So that is... <laughs> Absolutely correct. And we've taken that very seriously from day one and and are even more serious about now. But, but we have two patents pending and we've worked with a IP attorney awesome. to work that out and file those patents, which is, yeah, not a process for mere mortals, I guess. It's, it's a bit complex, <laughs> uh, to say the least. And it took us, you know, it took us about a year. So that's about the same amount of time it took me to write my book as it did to write the patent application for the technology oh, we had God. already built. I would say it was faster to build the technology than it was to write it down in a patent application. <laughs> anyway, the story is that our attorney, Thomas Stanton, with Stanton IP Law in Florida, if you want to look oh, them plug. up. Yeah. <laughs> He's awesome because he was a tech founder several years ago, co-founded an early web company built it up and had a successful exit with that. And then at that point decided, really took a step back and learned from everything that he had just experienced over the last couple whirlwind years of doing that company. And he really walked away with what you just said is that the attorneys are really the ones who, who win here in this situation. There's always legal work within a startup. And how can I help the next generation of startup founders. I'm going to go back to law school and learn how the patent system works and how IP law works. 
And then I can kind of speak IP law on one hand, and then I can speak founder and technology on the other hand and really bring Mm -hmm. those worlds together. So Thomas made it very easy because he's a software engineer in his own right. And uh, so kind of being able to navigate those worlds and help translate from, you know, software engineer on my end to uh, the patent office on the other hand was a really great experience. And I'm glad we did that. But you're absolutely right. Like, can't do all that legal work in addition to founding a company and growing your team and keeping your customers happy. Right. And there are resources for that. That's why people have those jobs. And you really have to find the right person for you. There's a lot out there, but you just really want to make sure that I always say CYA. And in the beginning, I was a little loofy about it, but I knew I had to have things in place. And it's really an important factor, especially if you're going to be collaborating with people that you want to go on this journey. It's like getting married, you know, seriously, you are getting married to this person in your business and they're going to be there with you through all the tough spots and all the happy moments. And, you know, you and I are both married to folks. So, you know, we, we understand that journey, I think. <laughs> yeah. And, and my my wife, Becca, is like our first investor and my, oh. first, you know, my go to mentor. And she basically, you know, a founder of this company. She's your other rock. <laughs> yeah, she is. And and she, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have done this without her kind of stamp of approval Aww. and, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, blessing on that because I knew it was going to be so demanding on our support systems and the people that that we care about the most. So uh, yeah, I'm incredibly grateful for for her support through that. No, I mean, we need those people. It's okay. Those people will come along and, you know, they will hopefully guide and understand and be your support system because people need that. Or you surround yourself with people that will support you in that journey. So again, with the platform and you're democratizing the podcasting industry, the internet started out that way, right? It's supposed to be creative and fun and well, now we've gone down into the matrix, but I digress there, but I'm coming back and saying that this is an arena where diversity really needs to, to come in to play in this arena. Like all tech platforms, you're a Latino, you're a co-founder, which is awesome. You know, we, I, I'm a Latina on this podcast and I am bringing up constantly the issues and trying to raise voices like you and other Latinas that have made it or they said, you know what, like I said before, forget that. I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm going to build my own table. I'm going to build my own business and I'm going to do it that way because I can help more people that way and I can get the message out faster or I can help people get jobs faster because waiting in line at tech to get in the door really is like if you don't have the connections if you're not in the programs i mean it's really like the lottery basically in some regards to get there so with you and squadcast the podcasting platform you created an avenue for people to have this and a lot of people are trying to get into the space so with that i would just want to say what is the one thing you would give a podcaster that is looking to do a podcast and they want to use your platform, but they may be a little shy or like Mm -hmm. for me, I was thinking, Oh my God, another tech tool I have to use. This thing is easy. It's and that's how you built it. Right. Yeah. And we are always searching for ideas for 
making it easier and, and fun and really remove any anxiety from the equations. That's kind of the other side of it. But I think that that's an area that we've been able to bring something new to the community and the industry is this not needing to worry if you're going to get your recordings or that they're going to sound great and be able to get that episode out on time, like you mentioned before, mm-hmm. no matter the world situation, right? And that's really where we've really found this this sweet spot and we have people doing things that would be very difficult in a physical studio, like batching interviews all day. We have a bunch of customers and hosts that do that very thing. And it's a challenge to get those schedules to line up. But aside oh from that, God, you, yeah. nobody had to like drive to a studio and coordinate and wait in the lobby and, uh, <laughs> you know, all of that stuff. So you can actually be like very productive in addition to not needing to, to worry. And, and what you're left with there is a very flowing conversation and dialogue where you have fun talking to your guest. And that really comes through, I think, in the quality of the content that, that you're creating. So we always think about, you know, our customers experience, the podcaster experience. And this is why we, we view Squadcast as, a, as essentially a B2B offering. Not all podcasters consider themselves businesses, but I think that professional podcasters do. It's more of a mindset yes. these days yes. and will evolve into being a, a literal professional. So that's really where we know we're helping people create something for their audience, really. Mm-hmm. And that's the way we think about B2B is like, if you're selling to another business, then they have their own customers and you have to be kind of a win-win situation there. And so that's where really we we focus on providing a great customer experience on our platform, but that's all in service of your listeners' experience. And mm-hmm. that's where the quality and the uh, the ease of the experience really translates through into these uh, these conversations that you can you know work with not have to make any sacrifices or compromises when it comes to quality mm-hmm. and uh still have that kind of warm and fuzzy feeling like okay my engineers got my back with a backup and primaries and there's all this stuff below the surface that helps me always get that audio you know every time i sit down to record right and you know i've been in tech but i'm not a, a techie i mean i was always on the front end of you know tech which is takes a village it does take a village But this is a a great platform and I want to emphasize more people of color really need to start using tools to amplify their voice and get it out there because we're not dominating the industry yet. But until that day comes, there's tools out there that will it will level up your game, which will get picked up faster, which will help people to really show up and really subscribe to your episodes. That is my opinion professionally. I mean, I don't say the nicest things about tech, but my podcast does get charted. (laughs) (laughs) But there are professional analytics out there that are tracking podcasts, where you can take that to the next level and saying, hey, you know, my podcast is certified, it's verified by these tracking analytics, which is industry standard. So this is like the next level for podcasting because when you want a sponsorship or to get ads or people want you to produce their podcast or their business, these are very important things to have. And when you use tools like Squadcast in particular as well as part of your arsenal, this is where you level up your game. And we all are trying to level up our game, right? Otherwise, it's a hobby. And in my previous podcast with Andrea, you're just being a Thea. (laughs) <laughs> you're not being a mama bear to your business and which is your baby and that's what i keep saying and this is your baby and you protect it and 
you give it love and you know it can piss you off and but you still love it at the end of the day <laughs> yeah uh, th- another thing that comes with that uh, that professional mindset that that business mindset even if you aren't necessarily a business today or a professional today is really that the quality of what you're creating becomes a, a brand asset yes and i think that you know we all are aware that the impacts of that you know good well designed branding has on us why did you click on that podcast to listen to it? Why did you click on this episode to listen to it? All of those things were influenced and kind of nudged by branding that is being carefully crafted by Teresa and her team. And that's really where uh, comes through in the actual podcast as well, where a lot has been said about the intimacy of podcasting. Mm. And it's, it is true because you, you're kind of, you know, whispering into somebody's ear directly that uh, soft speak, you know, people were doing oh, ASMR. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Uh, binaural beats. Yeah. yeah. I love audio. So it's, it's fascinating. No, wait, you love audio. You just built like one of the coolest <laughs> audio platforms. Side story. I listen to Bob Ross in the background while I work because what? one, I, I just, I love that. And I'm, I, I, as I shared, I, I would kind of, grew up in an art studio and uh, working Mm -hmm. in there every day. So it's kind of this soundscape that helps me focus (laughs) and do my work. The guy that does trees, like put it on in the background and it's kind of ASMR-y. It's got, you know, the brush strokes (laughs) and mixing the paint and his soft voice. I I think he was a podcaster before, uh, before podcasting. (laughs) Right, right. Well, he was a pioneer. Yeah. Video podcaster if you could say that but yeah exactly yeah but the podcasting was essentially made for your device your your yeah. mobile device but now people are watching it through their desktop so people are, yeah, or, are not- or smart speakers or just mm-hmm. different the car different form factors and that's really where uh yeah his audio was on point and uh and i i think that podcasters like uh, to come back to the the point about intimacy that is true. And, and people often say, you know, that's that's something that's different about podcasting from every other medium is that mm-hmm. it's so intimate and, you're, you know, you're talking directly into somebody's ear. But what I would submit is that that intimacy can work against you mm. over, the, over the course of an hour long episode where the quality is very poor. Our, right. our ears are so sensitive that if if you're listening to, to really low quality audio, like a phone call or robotic metallic sounding mm-hmm. audio that mm-hmm. is very fatiguing to us and really dulls our senses and doesn't necessarily work in our favor to get people to subscribe and visit our website and click on you know the links in our show notes and engage with our community so all of those things really become really important you have to the intimacy doesn't come for free with podcasting you have to kind of cultivate it and yes, nurture it you do and, and you do that through audio quality so that's really where we're we're grateful to be able to help so many creators really meet their listeners where they're uh, most happy with that quality audio. One other thing I want to say is if you don't believe or you know the weight that what Zach said, think of all the Zoom calls people are on today and the sound quality that they're using through their laptops. Oh my god, and you're on Zoom calls all day long. You yeah. have to be on mute. And then when people come on and that sound, it just, 
it grates on you all day long, which is why the sound platforms that you're using today really are very important. And Zach, I think you're in a perfect arena right now to really elevate a lot of things, but I'm very excited to know more. And I think a lot of our listeners are, and I just want to sum it up here because we're coming to the end. This was a great opportunity to really talk about a how you got started. You're a Latino in the community that, you know, you said, Hey, I got to get in. I got to, I got to make something happen. And two is that you're looking at the future and you just did it right. I mean, I'm sure there's fear, but I think the fear kind of pushed you maybe a little bit more. And, and right now I keep, (laughs) I know. I mean, and it's scary. You'll cry. I'm sure you've cried, you know, men, men cry. I I see it. It's okay. I roller coaster. I embrace it. Yeah. It's like up and down all the time. Exactly. The the one thing I want to say in this time period is because the economy is down and people are like, oh, I don't have any money or, oh, I don't know what to do or shit, I lost my business. Now is the time to get back in the game. Now is that time because as I've said in, in a previous episode, is that a lot of great technology, a lot of great solutions, a lot of great things have come out when the economy has totally tanked. And I think it's so ripe right now for people of color to get together and somehow create all these things because that's how all these tech companies came out was out of these these uh, crises that happened. Yeah, problems. And problems total, need solving. Right. And how do I, you know, engage with people? You know, mm-hmm. how do I make their lives better? What's a problem I can solve? What is something that I can offer that I have this great idea and you just do the research? It'll all come together. Once you start putting those juices together or in your brain, the universe is my Deepak. I love him. Says oh, yeah. the energy will come and people will find you to to work through that. So I don't mean to go on a spiritual level there. No, but- uh, Kara Swisher <laughs> with the Recode Decode podcast just mm-hmm. interviewed Deepak Chopra on Squadcast. So. <gasps> She put it on her Twitter, if you don't believe me. It's awesome. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's podcasting goals right there. But one of my podcasting goals is um, Colin Kaepernick. I keep saying that. Oh, yeah. So I hope, you know. I might be able to help you with that. (gasps) Yeah, let's talk about that. See, this is where the universe comes together, people. I'm very excited. Oh, my God. We have to help each other. But I want to thank you. And I want to, you know, do more podcasts with you, hopefully, I'm happy to to do, you know, with other guests, hopefully, as I say, with successes that happen from using your platform, uh, some business opportunities. And I'm always happy to have conversations with the audience to really get some feedback. I love that. I ask people to subscribe to my newsletter to give me their feedback. And so I will personally be putting out some new services and products and Squadcast will be a part of that. So thank you so much, Zach, for being a part of Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. And a lot of people think, oh, but this is for Latinas only. It's like, no, this is just the name of the podcast and it's for community. It's a great name. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Thank you. I got my uh, TM attorney and IP attorney on that. <laughs> yep. Have to. <laughs> All right, Zach. Thank you, Zach. I want us to have lunch when COVID is you know, done like we used to at Drake's and just kind of, you know, brainstorm some more and have those fun conversations. So absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Teresa. This has been a great conversation. 
Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Zach Moreno of Squadcast FM. We will be having the show notes of some specific details on how you can utilize this platform, also with some of our services. So please go to latinasb2b.com or you can go to latinasb2b.marketing. Those are where the business services are located. But as always, we would still love you to subscribe to our newsletter and please be a part of the feedback loop here. We're always looking for reviews and we're always looking for feedback on our podcast. Thanks again for joining. Gracias. <laughs>